When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back in the aftermath of blank game week 33 as the season trudges towards its conclusion. Many managers rejoice uh, in captaining Hazard one last time. Goodbye, Eden. We'll miss you, uh, but that may well be the end. It's wildcard time for many, and to provide a round table of opinion this week, we thought we'd draft in not one, but two guests, uh, two for one, I suppose, as we're joined by the lovely Lee and Sam from FPL Family. Welcome, guys. How are you doing? And uh, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, please just introduce yourself quickly for the good people. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having us on. I'm Lee from FPL Family, the, some would say, better half of FPL Family. Some what? would say the not-so-good half. I don't, well, let's see. Outrageous. Uh, I'm just a half of FPL Family. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at FPL Family. We're also on uh, the YouTube channel of the same name and uh, all your favourite social media. So that's me. I'm one half of FPL Family. And I'm definitely the better half of FPL Family. <laughs> I'm Sam. <laughs> I don't really know what else to say about me, really. You're the better half of FPL family, full stop. That's it. That's, you don't need anything else. That That is the introduction. Done, guys. Done. Back to you. <laughs> Completed. Yeah, welcome back, Lee and Sam. Great to have you on the pod again. Always a pleasure. Um, just to say quickly, of course, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. And you can use Spotify or SoundCloud or whatever you'd like to listen and subscribe. So, Tom, what are we going to be talking about this week? So it's a wild card week for you guys. So I guess that's going to dominate proceedings. I think what we're going to do is split it into three sections. The first will be about premium assets FPL managers will be looking at. The second naturally then becomes about enablers. I think we'll cover off as well, um, talking about some single game week assets. Um, just make sure everything's looked at and make sure we've got a full picture, especially for those like myself and like a few others who aren't a wild card and maybe will be looking to manage their way through the next few weeks. Great, sounds good. So let's kick off then with the game week reviews. It was a blank game week and, and Tom, you used your wild card. So so what happened then? Um, but I think I've just about gotten away with it. I uh, w- woke up uh, my girlfriend earlier on. She uh, was worried that I'd stab myself or something when I was uh, shouting. Uh, but it was Eden Hazard. It was Eden Hazard scoring a brace. Like I was convinced that it would be a Hazard-esque sign-off at the start of today, like nothing. Got the first goal early, settled the nerves. And I was thinking, oh, he's only going to score one. But that last minute um, goal was was very, very nice. Leveled him off with uh, with Vardy, who was my only other person to score any points this week above appearance. Uh, but nonetheless gave me a 63 on my wild card, which is a little bit of a, a green arrow. And it takes me... Um, let's not even talk about my rank. There is a rank, but let's, let's not... Let's not talk about <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, Lee and Sam, how, how about you guys? Uh, so similar to you, I was kind of rejoicing at the last minute goal uh, for Hazard. I had him as captain this week. Pretty happy with that. Um, so, so currently the game says 64, and that's simply because we're potting more or less at the end of the Chelsea game. I think there's six points to come. I suspect Mr. Hazard's going to get three bonus points, and that's another six for me. So uh, around 70, uh, which I'm pretty pleased with. And like you, Tom, I'm not going to mention my overall rank, but it's a step in the right direction. So green arrow this week and very happy. Yeah, 58 for me, um, which actually, given that before this game week started, I only had six players. Um, I'm not actually not that not that unhappy with yet another red arrow, though. I just seem to be in a 
in a lull of kind of misfortune of late. Um, the last couple of game weeks have not treated me kindly. So we've got to see if we can improve that with the wild card. But at least there was a on Vardy and Hazard, um, even though, yeah, again, I got my captain It's your captains, wrong. isn't it? Yeah, got to get that wrong, captain wrong. wrong. Every single game week, surely, it's got to improve for 34, surely. Well, hopefully. I think I'm in a similar situation to you, Sam, to be honest. Uh, bad game week, 53 points. I think it's just frustrating because all the planning seems to have just gone to pot in the most recent weeks. Training two players in the free hit, red arrow. This week, I was all set up with 11 players, 12 players actually at the start of the week. But yeah, everything went wrong. I benched the wrong one in Wan-Bissaka, which was a bit stupid in hindsight. Um, and yeah, you know, Barnes got an own goal. <laughs> and he did score, but it was like three points and just... Um, I captained Mo, but you know, I think Captain's Hazard, so 53 out is another red arrow, not great. Yeah, I mean, sometimes when you're not doing very well, it's like having continuous fights with man and chicken suit, isn't it? Like, you just, you just can't win. I, mean, I had 10 red arrows in a row at one point, so <laughs> definitely feel you guys and uh, definitely uh, think it'll be better uh, towards the end of the season. With that in mind, then, we've got wildcard mania at the moment, and that's our obviously key thing to talk about today. Um, the premium players, I think, we'll start with, and I think they're likely going to be sourced from uh, City, Spurs, and United. Now, I'm not on wildcard, but I know the three of you are, so I think you guys will have the bulk of the things to say about this and how you're setting up your teams. I think that's probably the best way of looking at it. Um, let's start off with City because obviously they're the big ticket and they're the most expensive players and the players who uh, perhaps given a few rotation worries. So, who are we looking at? Lee and Sam, what are we looking at in terms of City? So at the moment, I'm sitting on just Sterling. I kind of feel like Sterling has been really good for me over the last few weeks. All right, triple captain Sterling didn't go exactly to plan back in 32. Um, But other than that, he has been fairly consistent. I also kind of felt that he was one of the more rotation-proof of the the City um, players. Now, having said all of that, obviously, I think with the way the Premier League season is is mapping out um, in these last few game weeks... Much like Liverpool, I think Man City are going to have to play their best team every single week. So the rotation risks, I think, are are a bit less um, now moving forward. But I'm still pondering on whether I want a City defender. I, I I can't quite make up my mind whether there are better defensive options out there. Um, from the other other teams, or whether actually, you know, two City is the way to go. Yeah, I think I would say I'm similar. Um, without sounding like a broken record, we've we've been talking about the pep roulette. We've been talking about rotation all season. And it's a difficult one. I, I happen to think that Sterling is a rotation risk around those games. I mean, they've got three tough games against Spurs. It's a difficult one. I actually think that it's it's not a bad time to think about potentially going for a little bit of a different pick for Manchester City. Um, I'm happy to be looking at Kevin De Bruyne simply because... And I appreciate the fixture they had last game week was a, was a maybe a, a, a nice fixture. But, you know, Kevin De Bruyne put that assist on a plate for Jesus, didn't he? And he, he absolutely run the game. And I noticed that he came out after the game and said something like, um, he was quoted by saying, you know, you might not see the best of me or I might not get back to my best. Well, listen, if that's not his best, mm-hmm. I'd like to see his best because he was fantastic in that game. So at 9.7 in the game, he's going to be one of the lesser owned Manchester City assets. And given that they're all likely to rotate, um, I actually think he's the, he's the least likely to rotate. He's not got that fatigue in his legs that a lot of the other players have got. So I fancy a bit of a, it's not a punt, is it, KDB? But I fancy going a little bit different and maybe looking at him. Right now, I actually have Sterling in my wildcard draft, but I'm absolutely up for changing that. Um, and we also shouldn't overlook Aguero either. Despite the difficult fixtures in that double game week 35, Liverpool putting the pressure on them. He's going to play his strongest 11, I think, wherever he can. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne is one of those players that I think I've just got like a, a bit of a subjective love for. And the last uh, six games, he's only played four of them, but the data really is there for him. So he's had the most big chances created with five and the second most uh, chances created with 17. So very, very decent uh, for the time he, uh, on the field. Uh, Raheem Sterling as well, a very good stats. He's second for attempts of the last six and fifth touch in the box. So silver, actually, a second for touch in the box with 43. Mm. Uh, Salah is top of the mighty 63. And their defence, again, I mean, Sam, you just mentioning them, they've only conceded eight shots in the last six game weeks, uh, which is pretty ridiculous, to be honest. Only three shots on target in the last six weeks, too. Uh, but you're going to have to see how that kind of how those kind of rests um, really affect City. After the Palace game um, in game week 34, they've got two days and then there's a Spurs game and then two days and then another Spurs game and then three days and it's the Manchester derby. So... I think that if someone is saying, oh, uh, these players aren't a rotation risk, it's uh, apart from Edison, I don't think anybody in my City team is safe. And I think that might colour my perception a little bit. Like I'm looking at bringing in one of those uh, City players in this week, potentially. Um, Nick, how are you approaching City then? I know you said on the live stream last week you were tripling up on City. They were the best team. What are your thoughts here? So, yeah, I think I've slightly changed my mind now. I've actually drafted my team. I think the triple up perhaps was a little bit aggressive and uh, budget constraints probably limit that to a certain extent. But I've still doubled up. Um, I have Sterling. I think he's a really good attacking asset and I think he is critical to the success. I agree that I think he's... um, I think if he's going to be playing pretty much week in, week out, and they'll just have to, you know, even though it's just fixture congestion, etc., he's going to be critical if they're going to win the league. And I think he's going to play most of those games. So he's um, he's sort of my main attacking asset for, for Manchester City. There's certainly only budget enough for one of them, I think. Uh, but in defence, I also have Laporte. And you mentioned um, Edison being the only nailed on asset. I kind of disagree to a certain extent. I think Laporte's nailed on as well. He's obviously um, a double game week hero, isn't he, from earlier on in the season um he was perhaps my only success in those double game weeks and uh, i think i'm going to have him for the third double game week as well for manchester city i think he's nailed on like Kedison. um and uh yeah he's 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 pretty good in terms of his defensive stats manchester city have had about 14 clean sheets which i think so um, second only to liverpool for the season i think it's, it's worth covering the city defense and i can see more clean sheets coming for them um with their fixtures obviously the double game week is is a tough one for manchester city for sure you know it doesn't get much tougher but still you know they've got two games in that week and and like I said on the other pod I, I consider them the best team in the league and then they've got fix you know they've got quite nice fixtures sandwiched around that double as well where you're going to want a city asset or you're going to want city cover you know it's Crystal Palace away it's a pretty decent fixture then they've got Burnley away and then they're still at home Brighton away you know the fixtures are pretty decent for them apart from in the double game week but then they've got a double so you've got you know double the chance of returns from your assets yeah, it's almost because it's such a difficult double game week that in some ways your fears of rotation are a little bit allayed because of that almost. But to be fair to City, their B team is good enough that that's basically an A team anywhere else. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm with Nick on the whole uh, game. So game week 35 is tricky, right? They've got the uh, Manchester derby and the Spurs game. That's two teams that can absolutely score past them. I don't know if I'm going to go for a City defender. You know, I was in the wildcard drafts that I've done to date... Um, I haven't put a City defender in there um, simply because it's a, it's a fixture. It's absolutely a fixture thing. And I know that Laporte, as you're saying, Nick, is a, is a double game week hero from a few weeks back and a few weeks uh, back from that as well. The two double game weeks we've had, he has scored a phenomenal amount of points in both of those game weeks. But 
I just don't feel like, particularly with the fixture congestion and the, you know, there's going to be heavy legs in that city side. I just think United are capable of scoring. Spurs are absolutely capable of scoring as well. So, so right now, I think there's better options in in some of the other dump, double game week teams that are playing, like dare I say Spurs, like dare I say, I mean Southampton look all right as well in terms of defensive and, and Brighton, which I'm sure we're going to come to a bit later on too. Um, so I think there's better options than the Man City defenders, but I'll probably be made to eat my <laughs> words on that. Well, let's take the uh, take the Spurs um, point there then. So we've got two Spurs fans in the figurative room here. Uh, so it might be worth kind of delving into their thoughts there. But I think that um, it's fair to say as a, a start of the 10 that Harry Kane is the man who's uh, looking to be in a lot of people's squads. And we were just saying um, before we came on, weren't we, that he's looking like a probable captain for the next few. I mean, Sam, you were saying about him maybe being your captain for the rest of the season, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, that is my current plan, is just to pop the armband on Kane and leave it there for the rest of the games. Um, I think, you know, for me, we we are in a situation now where we're sitting fourth. Chelsea have gone above us um, in the league off, off the back of that win tonight. And so we, we now need to kind of make sure that we win all of our games. Um, and for me, there's only one man that's going to be at the heart of all of that, and that's Harry Kane. So, yeah, he's absolutely nailed on. I think for me, I'm I'm certainly looking at a double Spurs, probably a treble up, um, which feels a nice place to be as a Spurs fan to kind of put all my hopes and dreams for my FPL season <laughs> in, in their camp. Um, but yeah, so I, I think for me, yeah, Harry Kane nailed on. Um, it, if you're wildcarding, it, it kind of feels like too much of a risk to not have Harry Kane, given that most people will who are wildcarding will. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Interesting that as a Spurs fan, you're very pro having three of your players. Imagine being an Arsenal fan and saying, I will, I will have three Arsenal Get a triple up, bring him a Staffy. <laughs> You'll all be thinking I'm mad. All right, uh, family guy, what do you reckon? Uh, yes, I would say that well, Kane is absolutely in my wildcard as we speak. Um, although I do disagree with you to an extent on his influence in terms of you know the, the goals that you're going to get. Of the games that I've watched him and Spurs recent, more recently, I think he's dropping a bit deeper. He's doing that what he did at the beginning of the season where he wants to get back into the sort of in the mix, if you like, and dictate the play a bit more. And he's being a, not the quarterback, but he's he's kind of picking it up in the areas where we wouldn't necessarily want him to be. So I, for me, I've seen, particularly in the last game, I can't even remember who you played. Who did you play at the first game of the new stadium? Palace, Palace wasn't it? Yeah, so against Palace, I noticed that actually Moura was getting far more in the, the sort of places that we would like Spurs attackers to be. Um, and, and indeed, Son got on the score sheet. So Kane is absolutely not a bad pick. He will be in my wildcard team, not least for the Huddersfield game, where he looks like a very, very good captain choice uh, for 34 but the double game week, it's obviously City, but then it's Brighton at home. And then the fixtures for the rest of the season include West Ham at home and Everton at home. So you, you've, got, you've got to have him, I think. And then probably one other Spurs attacker. And that, for me, is the key talking point, is who do you double up with? Well, I think it's interesting. Deli Ali's comments um, over the past few days have been really quite interesting. He's been talking about how he's enjoying and quite likes playing a deeper role, um, which has freed up Ericsson's play, much more attacking than we've seen him over the last few weeks. Um now, I think that has two it has two impacts. Obviously, it has a massive impact on Ericsson, who is absolutely at the heart of my thinking in terms of my second Spurs player. Mm. Um, but also, I think it has an impact on Kane because as Delhi's been injured over the last few weeks and we've only just seen him come back, we're now at a point where if he's happy to play in that deeper role, that's probably meaning that we see less of Lucas Mora and therefore more of Harry Kane playing in that traditional 
forward role alongside Sun, which for me is a lovely partnership and worked really well last year. So if they can be playing up top together, I think that bodes well for Kane and therefore for Ericsson as well as a second Spurs player for, for Wildcarders. Yeah, I definitely buy all of that. Um, so Kane over the last six is second for shots in the box, second for total attempts and second for pen box touches amongst strikers, which is pretty decent. I think that the Ericsson factor definitely is there. So for my own interest, uh, because KDB versus Ericsson is one of my transfers potentially this week, uh, I ran a comparison of the two over the last four. And um, actually Ericsson's outstatting KDB. And uh, interestingly, his XA, so his expected assists are higher Ericsson's uh, than Kevin De Bruyne. And you can definitely see that translation uh, in the positioning forward um, and Ali definitely as a centre a centre midfielder basically now um, is true like if you saw that that Crystal Palace game he was so deep a lot of the time like the heat maps if you didn't see it are, mm, are really right. telling there um, and I, I just wouldn't be looking at Ali at all but Ericsson definitely is, is really really interesting because he, in, in sort of a, a hazard sort of way because of the amount of creativity he brings to the table the amount of bonus points potentially he brings to the table if he gets an assist he's probably going to get you but seven or eight points just from that assist because he's, he's in the running for one two bonus and that will be to assist Kane, no doubt. Uh, Son, just to note quickly, uh, seems to have gotten very lucky, um, to my to my happiness, actually, uh, to have gotten points the other day. He's only had six shots in the last six, but he's got that quality and he plays advanced. Um, but my worry would be that Lucas Moura may end up playing those easier games against uh, Huddersfield mm. and Brighton. Uh, Nick, what do you reckon there? Uh, you're a big Spurs fan. You are tripling up. And is Vertonghen, who's always on your mind, going to be in the team? Vertonghen's uh, not actually in the team at the what? moment, to be surprised. Let's go to Laporte as my sort of premium classic nailed on central defender at the moment and no space for Vertonghen. But at the moment, I do have a double up um, on Spurs. I have Son and I've got Kane. And I think what I like about Son is he is a little bit cheaper. It does free up that budget and he has been really explosive this season. I, I made the mistake last season, actually, of getting him in on my second wild card, and maybe I'm making the mistake again. I don't know. I might change my mind, but I feel like this season's Son is a different um, Son to last season. He seems a lot more critical to Spurs' attack, and I feel like he is going to be a key element um, to their success in the next um, few game weeks. So I think... Um, Actually, their last four, Spurs have been in a bit of poor form up until that Crystal Palace game. And I feel like Son didn't really play too much in those games either. And I feel like they missed out um, on his creativity, on his attacking threats. And um, yeah, I think I do have Kane, of course, as well. But I find it hard to say he's essential, to be honest, having just come out of this double game week um, on my free hit where I owned him and he proceeded to get me a lovely double two pointer and um <laughs> i did um i did some i had a quick look actually at him and like compared to say jimenez for instance and i think part of the reason my free hit went so badly was because of the weaker midfield which i had because of kane in my team and jimenez is actually now outscoring kane this season and when you look at points per value i think it's really critical that you take to a certain extent points per value into your team when you're drafting your free hits when you're drafting your wild card because Jimenez's points of value is 24.2 points per million compared to Kane's 12.8. So he he really is like a much better value player compared to Kane. He, Kane is very expensive, but I suppose if you add the captaincy factor, he, that's why he's in my team. But I just thought I'd highlight the uh, the other side of the argument, so to speak. 
Yeah, I think the fear factor with Kane is that he definitely wields something about him, doesn't he? I mean, he's only on 16.3% ownership right now. By the weekend, that would be 20-25%. But that still opens the door to it being a differential captain. Um, and I think that the fact that he did blank over double game week, uh, just gone, uh, could actually be a good thing uh, for a lot of uh, engaged managers. So I think that non-engaged managers would be looking at who scored, who scored points last week. Um, so if you are like me in a chasing position, that, that's a probably quite a good thing that you're still going to get a green arrow from anything that Kane does but I think we've all been in the situation before we've been expecting uh, Kane to go big I remember captioning him against Hull over Christmas a couple of years ago and Ericsson was the man who came through with a brace and Kane's absolutely nothing so it, it does definitely happen that he doesn't do anything but I'm hoping that Sam what you're saying about um, Ericsson being more advanced will definitely feed into Kane and um, so it's looking like you've you guys are kind of mostly based around Spurs and uh, and City. Uh, the other team who've got double game week and indeed are playing uh, a West Ham who are on the beach ordering a mojito um, are Manchester United in game week 34. Um, they've got an okay double game week perhaps, Everton and Man City. Everton have definitely tightened up a lot and Luca Digne has come through as being just an absolute hero uh, for those who kept him. But United-wise, is anyone in your plans? I've seen a lot of wildcard teams with, with absolutely nothing. No Pogba, no Rashford. What are you guys thinking about United? We seem quite fickle as FPL managers, don't we? we, we do. see, it doesn't seem that long ago we were talking about Pogba, Rashford, even Martial coming back, Lukaku was in our thoughts. Um, and even the defenders, you know, you've had Lindelof for a little while. I was considering Shaw yeah. for a while and, he, and I think Shaw did, did well with a couple of assists recently. Um, so, so right now, Pogba is in my wildcard team, but that's largely because I haven't made the decision whether to take him out or not yet, because it's going to cost me a ton of team value to doing that. However, I think that that is going to happen. I noticed some comments from, again, Ali Gunnar Solskjaer saying that, you know, Pogba is sitting deeper now. He prefers him in that sort of role. That's the sort of role he's going to have to play for the team from now on until the end of the season. And if that's the case, and we've seen it in recent games, he's been less effective. So, I can understand why people are avoiding Manchester United. Um, the double game week for me, as you quite rightly say, Tom, I don't think is as great as maybe it looks. It got to go to Everton. Everton, and I think you guys will correct me if I'm wrong, it's something like five or maybe four clean sheets in their last six. They've really, really tightened up. Um, and then, of course, it's the Manchester derby. So anything can happen in that. But he probably, he says, being a Liverpool fan, got a fancy Manchester City in that game. I've got a feeling that City will come out on top. So the double for Manchester United doesn't look that amazing. It's that game week 34 fixture that's really appealing. It's the United at home to West Ham. So we have a bit of a we have a bit of a conundrum, don't we? Do we get Manchester United on the basis that we want them for that, that frankly, captainable fixture against West Ham? Um, Knowing that in game week 35, the double is difficult. So I don't know. I'm really undecided. I don't think Pog was going to be in it, but could Rashford be? Well, yes. I think if Lukaku is is confirmed not fit for the for the upcoming double. Outside of that, you know, I'm chasing, as I know you are, Tom, you know, maybe Martial is a bit of a differential. Um, could be one I look at. But what are your thoughts, Sam? Are you, are any Man United in your draft? Um well, you rightly pointed out that I've had I've had Lindelof, Pogba, and Rashford for a long time now. Um and I've lost Lindelof as part of my wild card already. Um, I lost Rashford last week um, because I needed some extra players for that um, blank game week. So I'm still sitting with Pogba. I really, really, really want to put him, I want to swap him out for Ericsson, um, which leaves me in a real quandary as to what to do with Manchester United because I don't want to go into the next few games without Man United players. I've been talking a lot about how 
I want to make sure that the teams that I, or the players that I have in my team are coming out of the players that, or the teams that have still got stuff to play for. Um, and so Spurs, Manchester United, all those teams have got players that really need to up their game over the next few weeks and really perform mm. for their teams. And and I feel like Manchester United will do that. Um, and so it makes me very uncomfortable to not have a Manchester United player. Not exactly in great form though, are they? No, but I can I can go back to Rashford and that will enable me to do Sterling and have Ericsson and all of the other players that I want and Rashford, which... For that game week, well, for Saturday this weekend, the West Ham game. that makes yeah. me feel a bit more confident and a bit more comfortable, knowing that I'll also then still obviously have a free transfer going into the double game week. So worst case scenario, actually, if Rashford doesn't perform or I don't like the look of Manchester United at the end of that West Ham game, I can lose him at that point. But I don't want to not have Ericsson for the Huddersfield game at the weekend. So sure. kind of feel like Pogba's going to be be a casualty there and um, based on Gunnar Solskjaer's comments as well as you know, general form, general, well, yeah, general yeah. form in comparison to others that, you know, are in the same category. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I understand that. It sounds like you're in a real quandary about the wild oh, extent. Like just the <laughs> decision paralysis. Yeah. You've got too many options and I think that you can easily tie yourself up in knots because uh, the more you think about it, the more you just kind of create situations where you're like, Oh, I had him for a while. I'd really thought about him. He scored. Oh, yeah. Why did I do that? All right, uh, Nick, what are you thinking about United? Possibly keeping Pogba. Obviously, I'm in a similar quandary um, to yourselves, Lee and Sam. But I, I think, I don't know. I just I just really think he's, he's a really good value pick. And that's why I quite like having both him and Son in my team at the moment. Just because they can just give you a little bit more flexibility in terms of the cash and moving it around. And, uh, you know, allowing myself to have as many sort of premium or you know cheaper premium players in that squad as possible and in, in terms of Pogba this season he's actually um, second still for the season for goal attempts with 89 into and that's a chance every 27.7 minutes which isn't actually that far behind the likes of Mo Salah with 25.4 and it's a it's better than Mane's with 35.6 and Sterling's 36.1 so you know Pogba's underlying stats are really decent and he's also in double figures for assists with 10 so he's a creator and a goal scorer and I don't know, with a sale price of sort of 8.3 million for me, I look around that price bracket and there's no one really that I consider up to the same standard as Pogba. And uh, yeah, so I, I do like um, having some form of Manchester United coverage in my team. You know, perhaps Rashford would be a decent pick as a forward, but I can't really see any other options in there. I, I see Martial perhaps as definitely too much of a rotation risk. It is a bit of a worry that he has been playing a little bit deeper, but we've seen Manu as a team's form completely drop off um, as a result of this as well. And he looks so much more effective and much a better player when he plays more forwards and has a freer role. And I, I can't see him playing this kind of defend, more defensive role for too long, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, they're a funny one because they're, mid- they're middle of the road for attempts, for example, but they're second for big chances created with 19. And I said last week um, that Pogba could have easily gotten two assists in that game. I think McTominay fluffed one and Kaku fluffed one just after the second half. So he retains that quality. Um, but I, I can definitely understand why people are a little bit unsure about him like over the last six he only had eight attempts only created eight chances that's level the likes of Tom Kearney and N'Golo Kante um, compared to 17 to 22 when he was in his pomp um, that's where a lot of the data comes from that you cited Nick he topped the table for attempts for example 22 um, but Pogba I'm keeping hold of him because I think he is 
what you call a sleeper differential that a lot of people are going to get rid or have gotten rid already. And I'm not going to look at him again because they've gotten rid. It's, it creates a blind spot doing that. And Son last week was a very good example of how people can remove players or go to something new, like the novelty effect, like trying to buy something new and being happy with that and going back to old ground. And um, Pogba against West Ham, I think, is, is a good proposition. I think mean, Pogba is going to play th- that double game week um, regardless. And there's always a, a, a chance that he's going to get an assist. There's always going to be a chance that he's going to do a cool quip um, into the box and there's going to be a goal there. Um, you know, there's, there's always something that Pogba can do. So I think he's definitely worth holding on to. But I can definitely see why you definitely be looking at the uh, at the defence. Uh, a quick word for Romelu Lukaku as well. He's had the most big chances over the last six and he's got a great record against West Ham. Uh, coming up next, he's scored nine goals uh, with them uh, against them over the course of his career. He's scored most against them of any other team. The final one to look at is my team, Arsenal. Before this game week, I think a lot of people were looking at them and thinking, yeah, I'm going to shove Klasnach in there. I'm definitely going to be probably going to be going with Lacazette. But after that horror performance, after maybe Emery telegraphed his intent through fielding a... I don't even know what that team was. I mean, in what planet does Gwendozi and El Neni as a midfield duo win a Premier League football yeah. match? I just don't know. So I think that he's going to be going for the Europa League, but... Arsenal, nonetheless, do have a fairly decent double game week. Um, uh, they've got Crystal Palace at home and then Wolves away. And they've got the Watford game in 34 and the Leicester game in 36. Both games as a fan that I've written off already uh, in terms of us getting any points. But still maybe worth consideration. Uh, Arsenal then, guys. Um, Lee and Sam, any Arsenal players in your drafts? I'm guessing not. And I'm, I'm hoping not almost. <laughs> none, none in yours, for sure. <laughs> well, no, I did. I did have no. a, Well, I did, didn't I, for a while. I've, I've held the Wobi for these like game oh, wow. weeks yeah. because he was going to play. And the way my strategy worked, he just meant I couldn't get rid of him because I just needed him as a body to play in, in the, the blanks. Um, I So I fully intended um, to have at least an Arsenal player for the end of the season run-in. Um, however, I have real issue with the fact that you that Arsenal just have so many away games and that the form away from home is diabolical. Mm. Um, if if it was the other way around and Arsenal had lots of home games to come at the end of the season, I think I would still go with it. And the fact that they don't means that I've just kind of blanked them out entirely uh, and stopped looking at any of the assets. I also really worry with Aubameyang and Lacazette with the rotation that's going on there. How can you pick? Um, yeah. Blanking out and not thinking about them is probably how an Arsenal fan thinks about Arsenal. At <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Lee, what do you think about this? Uh, yeah, so similar. Um, I think the Arsenal waveform is is a worry. There's no doubt about it. I think if I was going to look at anybody, um, Kalasanac, but then I think you know you're you're uh, almost kind of betting on having some attacking returns there from Kalasanac. I don't think the Arsenal clean sheet is anywhere near locked in away from home uh, right now. No. Um, and uh, equally, one of their fixtures coming up, I think, isn't Palace at home. I think that's the home fixture amidst the three. So the next three, including the double game week, I think it's Wolves and Watford away. But the home game in the middle is Palace. Now, Palace are pretty good away from home. So I, I don't really fancy Arsenal much for this double, I'm afraid, Tom. I'm sorry. But if I was going to go for anybody, I think I would go for Lacazette. Um, it really grinds my gears that Aubameyang has been benched for like four out of the last six starts, right? So... We can't really depend on him. I think that's a bit of a gamble now if you're going to put a Bamiang in. Yeah, At that sort of money, you can't have him and Kane probably um, if you want Sterling or anybody else of that sort of value. So Kalasanac and Lacazette on my radar, but probably on the periphery of the radar, to be honest with you. 
Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, uh, Arsenal's defence away from home. The last clean sheet we kept was Arsene Wenger's last game against Huddersfield at the end of last season. So not very good away at all. Um, the defence, nothing to talk about. Uh, Bernd Leno is following in Peter Cech's uh, shoes as uh, making errors leading to goal. He's got three this season. And Aubameyang and uh, Lacazette have been matching stats the last few, the last six game weeks, 12 shots, 10 in the box. I mean, nothing to really write home about. And Aubameyang has been my big disappointment this year. He's uh, winning the steeplechase at the moment for big chances missed with 19, which is absolutely ridiculous, really. The amount of times that he's just missed from absolutely ridiculous situations. It is Callum Wilson-esque, seriously. Um, yeah, so, so, I mean, uh, Nick, Arsenal uh, Arsenal, team, uh, Arsenal players, before we move on to the enablers, any in your team, any uh, any striking your fancy? To be honest, I'm, I'm hearing a negativity about Arsenal and their assets. I'm thinking what the deuce to a certain extent because I'm actually uh, I'm actually doubled up on them at the moment in my wildcard team. I, I think they are definitely a team that are worth considering. I mean, looking at their fixtures, they've they've got the best fixtures really out of all the top teams, haven't they? I mean, Manchester. We talked about Manchester City having tough fixtures. We talked about tripling up on Spurs, but one of their double game week fixtures is against Manchester City, where we, we've seen some horror shows in the past, haven't we? Whilst um, Arsenal, in comparison, they've got they've actually got perhaps the, the best double game week of all. They've got a Crystal Palace at home uh, fixture, which is, you know, I think a really tasty one. We saw Spurs keep a clean sheet the other day against Palace. And they've got Wolves away. I know Wolves are pretty good. But, you know, they're not playing any of the top teams. They've got Watford, Crystal Palace, Wolves, Leicester, Brighton at home in 37 as well, and Burnley away. So... At the moment, I've got Kolasinac. I, I really liked him as a pick. You know, uh, before this Everton match, they just actually come off the back of um, two really nice um, home wins um, against United, where they kept a clean sheet, and against um, against Newcastle against a clean sheet. Obviously, they had a really poor match against um, Everton, but I, I still I'm still considering Kolasinac, and I think he's in terms of his price again. He's he's five point naught, but he's he's um, he's quite a decent value at that price, I think, and uh, he's an a defender that seems to be nailed on. He was tagged off at 45 minutes, which is a bit concerning, but he has been nailed on prior to that. And he, he's also pretty offensive. You always see him bombing forward and looking to get those attacking returns. So there's a dual threat of defensive and attacking returns from him. And then um, the other player I've got is Lacazette at the moment. Um, so uh, did you actually know that he's actually top now for um, assists out of all forwards this season with 11, um, which he sort of slipped a little bit under the radar in terms of that creativity that he offers. Um, he's got 13 goals and 11 assists and at 9.4 million, um, he's, he, he looks really good value, I think, and, and really good um, attacking presence within the Arsenal team. I think the midfield's the write-off. There's no one that you can really look at there at all. But in the forward line, Aubameyang, um, yeah, it's been unwell. But Lacazette, even when Aubameyang is fit, um, Lacazette seems to be nailed on alongside him. He's um, only missed one game since game week 26. Yeah, no, I definitely get that as well. I mean, Aubameyang actually played the full 90 in game week 25 uh, last, which is pretty crazy, actually. Uh, the only drawback with Arsenal that I can see is the, the lack of rest and the rotatability that seems to be there. Uh, so they've got three days now into Napoli. After that, they've got three days into Watford. And then after that, they get into a very, very compressed schedule. After Watford, they've got two games uh, before the Napoli away game, two days uh, before the Crystal Palace home game, and two days before the Wolves 
Wolves away game. So given the fact that Emery seems to be rotating both strikers, given the fact he seems to be favouring the Europa League, uh, given the lineup this week, my worry would be that you can never really be sure that if you're buying Lacazette, that you're buying him for 90 minutes and then Aubameyang plays the other 90 minutes. That would be my big worry there, or that you were looking at a 110-minute ceiling. Um, both those teams, I probably would agree with Lee as well. Like Crystal Palace are very good away from home. Don't forget they beat Man City. And Wolves at home, uh, Wolves away, sorry, against a big team. Uh, Wolves are set up uh, to beat a top six team. So I think that would be something that I'd be really worried about. And I think on, on the subject of Wolves, let's move on uh, to the enablers. Because obviously, if you're buying all these premium assets, you need enablers to make that work. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? I think that we're looking at probably Brighton, Watford, Southampton and Wolves as being the enabler guys. And I think probably best here to stick to uh, the, the key men rather than talk waxing lyrical about the teams themselves. Let's start off with Brighton because they've got double game week coming up along with Cardiff, of course, which I'm guessing is just Camarasa or Bust. Brighton, uh, you've got Duffman, uh, you've got Ryan, you've got Old Man Murray potentially. Um, who are we looking at, guys? Uh, who's Who's the man who's coming in? Who are the men who are coming in, uh, like Quagmire in a, in, a, in an orgy? Uh, <laughs> Lee and Sam, what do you reckon? Old man Murray in a Quagmire orgy. Let's, that's that's the thought you should leave your listeners with. Um, <laughs> so I think you're right on Cardiff. Yeah, Camarasa or, or nobody really. And I, I, I don't know whether we should spend that much time talking about Cardiff really. Enabler territory and, and probably the standout pick from a Cardiff perspective. Brighton are a bit more interesting because, of course, they've got the, the, the double-double. Um, and, of course, the game week 34 double looks particularly particularly good doesn't it there's two very very nice fixtures there it does um i'm kind of struggling to pick one though uh, you mentioned um shane duffy there and i think of all of the players that um you know that i would look to bring in from that brighton side i think duffy gives you a nice blend of not just clean sheets against teams that don't like to score a lot of goals in bournemouth and i think it's bournemouth and cardiff isn't it they're double so there's two teams there that are Pretty shaky away from well, Cardiff are pretty shaky, full stop. But Bournemouth pretty shaky away from home. So don't see Brighton conceding a lot of goals. It's the Amex is not Fort Knox, is it? So they can they can absolutely concede. Um, but I do fancy having some sort of Brighton defensive cover at the moment. I have Ryan um, just because I think he's probably one of the better goalkeepers to have, and I and I like him and Foster as my goalkeepers. But if I was going to double up, I'd go for Duffy. Gives you that opportunity to get those clean sheets to double up on the clean sheets. Plus, there's goal threat. There's goal threat from Duffy. He loves a goal. Um, he's very, very good in terms of his shots in the box. So a lot of those are going to be headers from corners. So not only Duffy, but then you might want to look at the guy that takes those corners. And nine times out of ten, it's Anthony Not Hart. He's one to look at. For me, it's it's Ryan. It's probably Duffy on a double up. That's probably where it ends, unless I want to go for Not Hart as a real out there. Yeah, 5.2. That's pretty decent. Uh, Sam, what are you thinking about the Seagulls? Uh, yeah, so I'm currently likely um, on Ryan in goal, but I am I am tempted to make the switch to Duffy, for sure. Um, I don't think I'll have both. Um, as much as I, I do like the fixtures in 34, 35 fixtures are tougher. I mean, there's the trip to Spurs in there, and um, I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced they'll keep a clean sheet at, at Spurs. Um, so I'm not sure I want two, um, and given that that is my... Um, bench boost week I would like to have as many players that I would hope would keep decent returns in that in that double in 35 um, and as Lee rightly said you know Duffy does have um, attacking potential so potentially I might make the transfer and, and swap Ryan for somebody like Lloris 
um, rather than having one of the other Spurs defenders and then have Duffy instead of Ryan. I really do like Anthony Knockhart. He is one of my kind of... He's been a favourite of yours for, for a while, hasn't he? For I don't know why, time. but he has been. No, I'm not I'm not entirely sure what it is about him. Um, <laughs> something about him that kind of makes me feel much more kind of secure of having him in there. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm like a giddy schoolgirl when he's around. I don't quite know what it is about. <laughs> does, does he look a bit like Lee? That's, that's yeah, maybe. Who knows? I, I need to Google this. <laughs> <laughs> he's little. I think I'm on my pocket. Brilliant. Oh, oh, no. Excellent. No, no, Lee's not. No. <laughs> I've gone wrong. Um, yeah, so um, I think Knockout is one that's definitely on my list. Um, as Lee said, he's he's cheap as well, enable enabler territory there. Um, so yeah, he's one I'm thinking about. I'm not sure about Glenn Murray though. I, I feel like those three top spots. I mean, one of them is definitely taken by Kane. The other one's Jimenez all over, and I'm not sure I want to give the last one to Glenn Murray. That feels a little bit wrong. It doesn't feel right, does it? No. So I think if you go in Brighton, it, it's probably one of the defenders, probably Duffy or Ryan. Um, and then if you want a, a cheeky punt on another Brighton, I think it's knockout for me. The player that I thought played well, actually, in the in the cup game, I know they went out to sit in the end, but he actually played quite well. And I only know him affectionately as Ali J, uh, and I, because I can't actually pronounce his surname, but Yahan Bash, or however you, however you say his name. Yahan Bash, yes. Yeah, whatever, right. So, yeah, the, the J man. Um, <laughs> actually, I, I thought I had a very, very good game. I wonder whether he was one of these players that rises to the big occasion. So if you're going really punty and out there, uh, maybe go for Ali J. Yeah, maybe. He was the top scorer in Air Divisie in, in, in Holland last year. Um, fun fact for you guys. Uh, yeah, uh, Duffy there is probably the key pick. I know that our, our friend FPL Stag is is well into captioning him. I doubt he actually will. He's just one of these seeders, never actually does anything. Uh, but he says he's going to do. Uh, but yeah, second for shots uh, over the course of the season to uh, to Doherty in the box, that is. Uh, he's he's also fur for shots and fur for shots in the box over the course of this season. And we haven't heard from Nick yet. Uh, let's start with Cardiff first. Uh, we'll go to Nick. What do you think about Cardiff? It's tough. Thanks, Nick. What do you think about Bryson? And that's probably something you've got more to talk about. On a serious note, I'm not really considering Cardiff. I did look at Camarasa, but I don't know. I, I didn't really want to start him. And I, I had like players on the bench that I'd rather play than Camarasa in a double. So I thought, what's the point of even getting him in if I don't want him as part of my 35 bench boost? So I scrapped um, I scrapped Cammy for my team. But uh, with, with Brighton, actually, I'm, I'm doubled up on the defence right now. Um, Ryan and Duffy. Interesting thing, I did a little bit of research on Brighton in general and, and Duffy. And uh, in in terms of goal attempts, he's had 30. And um, in terms of goals, he's had five. And, and that's actually three more goals than any of the Brighton midfielders have managed all season. And only March has had more goal attempts than Duffy with 32. So I think for me, you know, the Brighton midfield's a bit of a write-off personally. I think, you know, if Duffy's more more offensive than the whole midfield put together virtually, then there's there's no one really at that sticks out. I mean, Knockout's perhaps an interesting differential, but I think I think it's the defensive bust, to be honest. Um you've obviously got the old warhorse we mentioned as well, Glenn Murray. Uh but you know, does he have enough legs in him to, to play both games in the double game week? I'm, I'm not sure if he does or not. But I think um, in terms of defensive stats, it's, it, that's where Brighton's at. They're pretty impressive. And I mean, 133 shots on target, which actually less than the likes of um, Arsenal and United and only five less than Spurs. But they've only managed six clean sheets. So there's no point getting overexcited about them. But, you know, for the double, for the double, double, I thought, why not double up, um, especially this game week with, with two defenders? 
Yeah, no, I'll, I'll be on Ryan and Duffy as well for my wild card. Uh, one team we are probably quite excited about is Wolves. Um, obviously, uh, lost in heartbreaking slash brilliant fashion. Uh, Delafeu's second uh, goal was absolutely outrageous, especially that lob. Uh, but Wolves are one team who are definitely going to be figuring very highly in a lot of wild cards. Uh, your usual men, Doherty, uh, Jota and uh, Jimenez are probably the guys who are going to be figuring highly. How are you guys approaching Wolves, I think, is probably the question. So, him and as I'm assuming is in everyone's team of a nods. Yes, yes, definitely for both of us, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think he's essential. Talisman King. How else are you guys approaching Wolves, covering Wolves? I mean, the next uh, few game weeks are pretty good for them. Southampton away, and then they've got two home games in the double, Brighton and Arsenal, away against Watford in 36, and at home to Fulham in 37, which is quite a plum game. Finish the season away against Liverpool, but game with 38 is a crapshoot anyway. Um, how are we looking at Wolves, guys? Yeah, so absolutely considering them at both ends of the pitch. I think my, um, I guess my fear was not fear, but the concern, I guess, was that um, whoever got through to the FA Cup final might take their eye off of the Premier League a little bit to focus on that final. I mean, both Wolves and Watford, whoever was going to get through for their their respective clubs, that was going to be the biggest game maybe in their history, but certainly in, in a very, very long time for each of those clubs. So they're going to be fully focused on that. So... From a Watford perspective, maybe we'll come to those guys in a bit, but I'm, I'm my concern would be that they kind of go into games a little bit half-heartedly. Now, no one wants to get injured and miss out in the cup final. So conversely, to answer your question about Wolves, I think now they will fully focus on the league. They will absolutely want to finish as high as they can and try and push for the Europa League spot that may, be, may or may not become available, right? So with fixtures like Southampton away, I, I happen to think uh, despite the uh, the loss to Liverpool at St Mary's the other night, I think Southampton, have been, you know, their form has improved. I was impressed with them for a full 80 minutes against Liverpool. They press very highly. So that is a tricky fixture for Wolves. But then Brighton and Arsenal at home in 35 in the double. And then, as you rightly say, Tom, Watford and then Fulham and then, of course, Liverpool on the last day. Um, so between 35 and 37, Wolves look like great picks. Jimenez is absolutely in. Um, and I think now that they're out of the cup, I think we're going to you know, be less rotation. There'll be less protection for the players. And Doherty, I think, uh, will come back in for me. Yeah, I mean, I've kept Doherty and I will be keeping Doherty. My one fear with Wolves um, is that when when the championship was ended, like the, the race was over last year, they did kind of rest on their laurels a little bit and there was a little bit of kind of not playing as well as they had over the course of the rest of the season. They lost games to the you know some of the relegated teams at the end of last season. And my, and my fear a little bit is that what happened over the weekend with that cup fixture in the way that they lost it, will that just kind of unsettle them will it just kind of make them give up a little bit towards the end of the season having said that as you rightly point out you know they have still got the opportunity to make Europe this season which quite frankly would be you know outstanding for a newly promoted side to to do that so I think you know for me holding Jimenez FPL God and holding Doherty for sure because that man can get assists from nowhere and get goals from nowhere as well, can't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. In on that right hand side. Uh, I think Wolves are an interesting kettle of fish. They I think they do need that Europa League slot. Um I think the the gamble that Nuno will take is that City win against Watford. Because that Europa League slot means two things. One is that they can keep the players they've already got. So, you know, the likes of uh, Spurs or something would happily pick up a Doherty but the fact is that if they have that Europa League carrot to dangle in front of players um, I think the players will stay and I think 
to help them sign new players as well. If they've got that Europe kind of carrot, I think they'll be able to get more players uh, in of the quality that we've seen with the likes of Jimenez. The other thing with Wolves, I'm potentially considering a, a captaining one of the attackers in, in double game week 35. Um, Jimenez has got eight goals and six assists in the 16 home games this season. And uh, Jota has got four and uh, four assists and six goals in the last seven home matches. I think that Adam Hopcroft also noted something similar. So, he could actually be a really, really good option in that double game week, despite the fact he's probably going to be ubiquitous. Nick, uh, I think we're probably going to cover Southampton here because we're going to cover Watford later on in the questions. But Nick, before we move on to Southampton, finally, what are your views on Wolves and uh, takes in Southampton? With Wolves, obviously we talked about Jimenez and uh, yeah, I think he, he is nailed. He's critical, perhaps. With Doherty, I've actually sold him. I've sold him before he got that goal and assist in the FA Cup as well and before they got knocked out of the FA Cup. I just thought it was time for him to go. Maybe it was a mistake. I can hear you guys thinking about keeping him and stuff. But, you know, with, um, I don't know, with, with the Arsenal home match and the Brighton home match, we've seen in the past Doherty has been rotated in these periods of fixture congestion. So I can imagine that he could miss out on the Brighton home and only play the Arsenal home, which will be the uh, the tougher fixture and uh, could perhaps... Um, you know, only get one or two points, and that is my concern with him. So yeah, he went sadly, and maybe uh, maybe I regret it. But with um, with Southampton, um, one I do like and is uh, Jan Valerie, and I think you've got him as well, Tom. Um, at four point one now, he's actually nailed on for that slot. He's really emerged out of nowhere, hasn't he? And uh, nicked a couple of goals against United and Spurs in the last four game weeks, and uh, looks like a really young, uh, creative force uh, within that Southampton team. And yeah, you know, he's he's in there as a cheap and enabler to a certain extent but yeah he, you know I think uh, Southampton's fixtures aren't, aren't too bad for the double are they Tom so uh, yeah I thought why not bring this guy in and see what he can do no I can buy that uh, yeah uh, Valerie the, if you anyone gets a chance to look at his heat map is absolutely crazy for a 4.1 like, he's so far up the pitch I mean I suppose Lucy Hynett about this uh, inveterate Southampton fan uh, who's, who tends to be our uh, our top stone and uh, she said that if they're playing five at the back and he's a right wing back that's pretty damn good because he has that license to go forward. He's basically got the heat map of a, of a midfielder on the right. Um, if they play four at the back, he's still the uncontested right back. He's basically, you've got a Cedric Suarez situation sort of thing in, in years gone by with Cedric now at Inter, uh, ironically. And they do have, of course, um, a fairly good double game week uh, coming up. Newcastle and Watford away. They've got Wolves at home in 34. Um I've got Valerie and I've got James Ward-Prowse, who just seems to be a fantastic striker of a dead ball of nothing else and seems to be on penalties if Ingsley isn't around. So 5.1, that seems perfect kind of fifth midfielder off the bench in a bench boost kind of territory. Uh, Lynn, Sam, Southampton, any views? I'm in, in your camp. I've got Valerie and I've got James Ward-Prowse. They both just seem for the money that, that they are. They both have the the form to kind of back them up as well. So for me, they were kind of no-brainers. They were literally, apart from Kane, they were the first people in. Yeah, me too. Um, On the same players, Valerie is a no-brainer. He yeah. comes in 4.1, no doubt about it. Ward Prowls, maybe. But right now, yes, he's in my team. And I know we've talked about 34 and 35 looking at the short-term fixtures, but 36 to 38 reads like this. Bournemouth at home, West Ham away, Huddersfield at home. Don't get any better than that from my perspective. So... I think Saints, you know, they they are. I think they're they're safe, right? So that I, you know, it's, it's going to be Cardiff that goes down. But nevertheless, I think you know it's Hassan Hüttel's first season. He'll want to end on a high. Um, yeah, th- those two for me look like the key to unlocking the wild card and unlocking the, the heavy hitters that you want because they're such great value. So yeah, I'll go with you both on those. 
Yeah, value picks, exactly. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So, Nick, what's next on the agenda? I'm going to quickly talk about the single game week teams. And if, and if it's worth, you know, keeping any of these players in our wildcard teams or if we should just focus on the teams um, that have the doubles. And I guess the, the main teams here are, are Liverpool and Chelsea. We talked a lot about the end of Hazard, but is, is he worth keeping after those two sterling performances in the last couple of game weeks? He, he looks really bang on fire, doesn't he? And uh, he, I can actually see him easily outscoring most of these double game weekers. He could easily outscore Sterling. He could easily outscore Pogba. So is there a case for keeping him? What, what do you think, uh, Lee and Sam? What do you think of Hazard? Uh, I think a lot of things about Hazard. After but most, tonight, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I had it him tonight. I think most of my thoughts about Hazard, though, was up, revolve around Chelsea generally. Um, you know, we talked earlier about how Arsenal's focus appears to have shifted to the Europa League. I think with Chelsea, it's a little bit different because they still do appear to have kind of, they're trying to keep both both ends going um but I think for me Hazard is he's at that same price point as the likes of Ericsson um, that we talked about earlier and and for me going into this double game week I would rather have a double game weeker of the same stature and the same potential um than I would have Hazard I think if Hazard was a little bit cheaper then maybe I would have gone that way but I also kind of I just don't trust Sarri I don't trust him um, to play the team that's working well for Hazard. Like at the moment, he's playing Loftus-Cheek and he's playing Hudson-Odoi. And we've seen a massive turnaround in Chelsea and they're playing a hell of a lot better than they have been previously. But do we trust Sarri to continue to play those players alongside Hazard and therefore allow Hazard to play in the same kind of form that we've seen him of late? Yeah, I, I, I do tend to agree with you. Although I do think that... Uh... Just a feel I have that I think he will want to go out on a high, right? He is a bit of a legend at Stamford Bridge. And I, I don't sure. think there's any question that he's going to... Well, there is some question he's going to go in the summer. Of course, they've got a transfer ban. They want to hold on to him. But my view is that he's already in Spain, right? He's probably going to be a Real Madrid player next season. Their fixtures, though, three of the remaining five are three very difficult away games. Not only have they got to go to Anfield, as we know, next weekend... But they go to Old Trafford in uh, 36 and then in 38, they go to the King Power Stadium to play Leicester. And of course, Brendan Rodgers is doing great things there at the moment and Vardy and the likes are on form. So despite the two home games at home to Burnley, and appreciate that is a good fixture, but it's in a game week where there's plenty of other double game week options. And Watford at home in 37 is the one that I would potentially want him for, given that Watford are going to go into that very tentatively wanting to rest players for the cup, not going to any tackle, 50-50 tackles potentially, unless you're Troy Deeney and then you just pile through everybody. <laughs> um, so for me, I don't don't think I'm currently going to go for Hazard, despite what's happened tonight. That is it for the Belgium, I think, possibly forever. He's actually second in the Premier League at the moment, just four points behind Mo Salah. There we go. Um, and uh, he is a fantastic player and he's a fantastic FPL asset, but he's not a predictable FPL asset, which I think is the key. Uh, with yes. And yeah. I think that, as you're saying, with the fixtures as they are and the fact that he is so pricey and we've got a lot of premium assets in our sites, the fact is that he's probably going to have to go in a lot of teams to make money. There's a few kind of teams in the middle before we move on to Liverpool. Uh, you've got Bournemouth playing Fulham at home in 35. I mean, they, they looked absolutely terrible against Burnley, just not at the race at all. Sam between their feet. Um, but you've still got the likes of, you know, Callum Wilson um, doing OK. He's the second. He's got the second most big chances missed this season. Uh, and uh, Ryan Fraser's created the most big chances all season with 22. Uh, that's more than Hazard, a uh, an Arsenal target. 
Um, and Luca Dean, I've just got, just got to mention him quickly. He scored 30% of his total points in the last six game weeks. And he's not blanked for a single one of them after we all sold him after that uh, sending off against Huddersfield. Uh, but Liverpool, I think, are probably the other one that people are going to be holding on to. You've got King Mo. Is anyone going to be keeping hold of him? I actually am thinking about it. Um, and yeah, yeah, and I know he takes up a lot of budget. I get that, but I, I, I just, I get, a, I get a feel for players. You guys obviously know that I watch a lot of Liverpool, and I get a feel for the team. I get a feel for players, and I, and I honestly think that goal was a massive weight off his shoulders, a massive monkey off of his back. You could see in the post-match interview, mm-hmm. uh, Sky were doing an interview with um, Henderson and Van Dyke. Yeah, nothing to do with Salah, but you know he come trotting along, smile as broad as anything, you know, and he was just like took so the happy, mic, didn't he? Took the microphone off the reporter, so happy to be there and talk about his goal. Um, and it's the first time I've seen him in that sort of mood. Now, you know, Chelsea at home is obviously a difficult game, uh, but then after that, it's Cardiff, Huddersfield, Newcastle, and Wolves. I mean. Goodness me, that is a nice run. Um, and I think what you were saying before, Tom, about you know these kind of sleeper differentials, there's going to be a lot of people piling off of Salah uh, because of you know no double game week, etc., etc. He could be a very, very nice asset to have between now and the end of the season, despite being 13.2, whatever he is. For me, Liverpool are, are the team you just don't get off. It doesn't matter that they don't have a double game week. Um, I got very much bitten by not playing Robertson during the double game week. Um, this time around. And I will not make that mistake again. Liverpool absolutely need to win every single game from now until the end of the season. And they will go all out to do that. So I'm holding both my Liverpool assets. So Robbo um, and Mane, um, they'll both stay with me right from now until the end. Yeah, I kind of waxed lyrical to a certain extent on um, on Robertson when we did our live Q&A. So I won't talk about him too much, but he's um, he's the only ever present in my team since the start of the season now. And perhaps one of the only good things that's happened to me all season, to be honest. He's just been brilliant to own from start to finish this season. Um, now in double figures for assists. And yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be selling him. I think I'm going to be keeping him. Um, you know, they've got Chelsea at home, which is that's one part of the problem as well with Liverpool. They've not only got a single game week, but they've got a really tough home fixture, mm. which made it easier for me to sell the likes of Mo um, to sell the likes of Mane for my team as well but I am keeping Robbo and I'll be keeping him for that Cardiff game as well including the bench boost but um, it's 36 where the Liverpool players with the final run of fixtures they've got a really nice um, final three Huddersfield at home, Newcastle wearing Wolves at home and I've still got their triple captain chip as well which I don't know what I'm going to be doing with so I've got (laughs) wildcard bench boost and then triple captain and I'm probably going to be putting on a Liverpool player for that Huddersfield at home game so I'm going to be getting Mo back in I think for that it's it's either Mo or Manet and I you know, it's much more exciting, I think, to triple captain Mo. So he'll come back in in 36. But for 35 for me and for 34, it's just going to be Robbo. In that 36 game against Huddersfield, a lot of managers need to be looking at that and thinking, oh, actually, I need to have a plan here. And if you're getting rid of Liverpool together, I think that you may well end up being burnt by that away game versus Cardiff. Right, uh, let's take a break there, guys, and we'll move on to the uh, features section. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and moving on to the features section now. This is when we catch up with our regular kind of bits and pieces, the market forces, it's the Nick pick and it's the All England team. And the first thing to talk about is the market forces. And Nick, you've been uh, studying the numbers. What have you been seeing this game week? So it is quite interesting this week because it's it's not about the form. It really is about the fixtures with the market forces. And, and sometimes we look at the market forces and we're like, 
why are these players being transferred in? Um, they've got crap fixtures, but the players are in form. But this week, it's, it's all about the fixtures. It's Kane and Son that are the most transferred in players right now. Kane's had over 98,000 transfers in, and Son's had over 70,000 transfers in at time of recording. And it really is because of that Huddersfield, a home game, and then the double game week, Manchester City and Brighton. So it's all about those attacking Spurs assets. Everyone's on Kane. Almost everyone's on Son as well. They seem to be the key guys that are being transferred in. And uh, ironically, the other side of the things, it really is the last Hazard, as we said. Hazard has been sold by over 69,000 managers at this moment in time. The vast majority would have been before this fantastic performance he put on against West Ham. But it does seem a little bit strange that he's being sold so heavily. Can the most transferred player is a guy who's just blanked twice. And yeah, that's the market forces this week. Hazard heavily being sold and Kane and Son mostly being transferred in. I think the fact that you're seeing people like Hazard after tonight's performance sold and uh, Salah being sold and uh, Pogba being sold as well um, by 45,000, I think it is now at the time of recording. Uh, what do you think about those kinds of market movements? None of that surprises me, to be honest. I wonder whether um, many of the Hazard out transfers were before this evening and maybe some of those that have got rid of him are, are maybe thinking about getting him back in. But I can see I can see why you would do that, right? Um uh, so yeah, Chelsea, as we mentioned before, there is no double. They've got a nice fixture in game week 35, Burnley at home. But in a game week where, as we mentioned before, you're looking at Ericsson, you're looking at Man City assets. I don't think there's any space for Eddie, unfortunately. So no, none of that surprises me, guys. Right, let's move on to the Nick pick. And it's uh, every week Nick picks out a player who uh, fits the profile of being a fairly a conservative pick, but likely to score points. And uh, you've been doing very well, haven't you, since we introduced this, Nick? We've had one, we've had Vardy, we've had two, we've had Noble, and it's a hat-trick. Third is the word. As Piliqueta has come through a very, very lucky goal in double game week uh, first. <laughs> Obviously, we didn't have one in this week, just going to have a podcast. But what's your Nick pick for the double game week for Brighton and Cardiff? at least coming up well I feel like um, I'm going to have to start living a little bit more dangerously but perhaps perhaps not too dangerously just a more interesting pick and uh, I've gone for Kieran Trippier actually um, this week so uh, he's been in the FPL wilderness hasn't he for um, quite a large uh, section of the season but he should be nailed on now with um, Sergio out and um, he's got a nice home match at a brand new stadium against a disheartened relegated Huddersfield who have only 19 goals to their name this season which is nine less than the second worst in the league Cardiff 28 so You've got to look at that. I think actually a Spurs clean sheet is pretty likely. And um, also um, another interesting fact about Trippier, despite only having played 25 games this season, he's actually seconds for chances created out of all defenders with 45. So he could easily pick up an assist as well if, if, you know, we really tear into Huddersfield. There's a very high chance of a clean sheet, you know, a bit of a chance of an assist and, and maybe some bonus as well there. Not worried about Cole Walker-Peters potentially coming in, hyphenating. Uh. Yeah, Kieran Trippier-Peters coming in off the bench, destroying, <laughs> destroying the Nick pick. Is Aurier yeah. out then? Is he is he out for a bit? Is what's the news on Aurier? We, we don't know. We don't know. But if he's definitely out, I think Trippier is a really good choice. Yeah, I, think, I do. Yeah, I, I, can't, do. I can't see anyone else playing there apart from KWP, and that would be the worry because Spurs' uh, spacing is as bad as City's, as we mentioned earlier on. You'd definitely see perhaps KWP showing up. But we're definitely not endorsing KWP at this point. Uh, the, the final thing to talk about is the uh, All England team. And I actually beat them this week. Thank God. Um, the unspecified fan member took five seconds to do it. And they were 
literally one has our goal away from beating me, uh, which is quite sad, actually, because obviously I, with my Amstelfer family member, think about it for about five seconds every week and then make the move. Uh, this week, the captain, Jamie Vardy, first two points, had uh, Madison, uh, had Pickford for that fantastic uh, uh, clean sheet and came over 62-pointer, and they're almost a six-figure score, which is uh, pretty good for an All-England team. All right, let's take a break there and we'll move on to the Q&A. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist mini league. And uh, yeah, it seems to have changed a little bit at the top, opened up a little bit as well. Um, with Mark Sinclair, uh, surely this year, and it looks like it might actually be his year this year because he's um, he's 24th in overall rank. He's he's top in Scotland and he, he's right at the top of the Who Got the Assist mini league with quite a um, large gap developing as well. Um, yeah, great week for him. 86 points. Oh, it just puts me to shame, doesn't it? Um, Hazard captain, just the right call there. Got Vardy in as well, 16 points. Madison, seven. Uh, Wambasaka, seven. Pereira six as well. Yeah, great, great week for him. Um, yeah, he's, he's developed quite a big gap between him and um, Liam Berry. But Liam had a great week as well with 81. Um, also, Hazard and Vardy, the key men this week. Um, mentioning some of the other guys at the top. Um, Sebastian Berenson, the Nederlagets, doing very well. Um, and uh, Sean Francis, Salvador Barra as well. Yeah, he's, he's still very competitive at... Um, in the top uh, in the top 50 of the league. But yeah, Mark seems to be uh, storming ahead right now. So um, best of luck, Mark. And uh, yeah, he's uh, still sort of in it, I guess, for, for winning the entire thing as well. Yeah, 24th, you've got to be looking at it and thinking, oh, I, I could just about do that. Right, let's move on to the questions then this week. Uh, we've got just got four for you guys. Uh, the first is, is no city a pity? So we've spoken about these a few times. But Steve Kelly and Brahas Baha um, ask if we can afford to go without city altogether on the wild card towards the run-in, uh, which is quite an interesting one. Uh, Lee and Sam, what do you think about this? Um, yeah, for me, you need a city player. Um, I, I think at least a city player given where they are in the league, given um, the fact that they, you know, Liverpool are pushing and pushing and pushing them all the way. They need to win games. They, there isn't there isn't another way of looking at it other than that City are going to score a lot of points over the next few game weeks. Um, they have to, don't they, if they want to win the league. So, therefore, City FPL players will be scoring a lot of points. So, for me, you need to buy a ticket. You need to get a City player risk that there might be some rotation there around the Champions League games but you do need one is my opinion yeah I, I, I think I agree with you although I can understand why the question is being asked I mean I, I think I think there is a case for going without City because I think the propensity to get your choice wrong is quite high this is true um, you know you could pick Sterling and say well you know he's he's their arguably their best player definitely in the top three of their best players um, gonna score loads of points but you know, could easily miss out, and as you know, Tom's mentioned a couple of times, the the gaps between the games is very short. He's gonna want to use that squad, um, and the double game week is difficult for them. Spurs and then Manchester United, right? So I can, I, I, I don't know. The, the Palace game is the one I think you would want them for. Palace are actually better away than they are at home. So I fancy City in that game. Also fancy City to get a bit of retribution. I think hmm, uh, that definitely. was one of the home games they uh, they lost, right? When they um, when Palace came to the Etihad, a Townsend screamer, if I remember rightly. Worldy. So they are definitely going to want to seek some retribution in that game. Um, but I can understand why the question is being asked. I don't know whether I've answered it very well, but I can see a case for going City less. Uh, it's risky, but I can see it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, like, 
if you were the sort of manager who's very cautious about players not starting, then Man City would be anathema to you because of the fact that every week, apart from maybe Edison and maybe Laporte, as Nick said earlier, mm. uh, you'll be looking at them thinking, oh, you know, every week you have that team sheet moment when you're like, oh, God, is my player going to play? Um, because that double game week is so difficult, you'd be expecting their first team to be playing both of those games. Um, like Tottenham and Man United are like, seminal games for their title chase compared to them your team Liverpool Lee have got a fairly decent run in them and Chelsea at home next week is the only difficult game they actually have I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing whether you're going to have some complacency creeping in against the likes of Cardiff and Huddersfield in 35 and 36 but City are able to put together a professional job they're able to kind of sit in second gear as we saw against Brighton and still grind out the victory is just guessing that the right player who's going to be around and oh, we've mentioned him already but Kevin De Bruyne has started both of the games in the double game week um, I think he is vital to the the pet plan whatever that pet plan may be I think he is going to be playing what 60 minutes every game something like that taken off after their one or two nil ahead like it, it almost feels reminiscent of the old Mourinho Chelsea um where they'd look to overwhelm the opponent really, really quickly, get two or three goals and then just sit back for the rest of the game and pull players off. Nick, what do you reckon here? I, th- I think there is a case, perhaps, for, for going without Manchester City. You know, I don't think it's the most craziest um, suggestion we've ever heard, but it's, it's not one that I'm going to be taking a risk on. I, I, I'm going to go for two Manchester City players. I think they're definitely a team for me that you, you have to cover and... And the likes of Sterling's one of the best players. And you know, apart from that, that double is tough, but it is tough. So it means that there's, they're likely less likely to actually be rotated over those, those game weeks. He's going to try and play his best team, which I guess is actually, ironically, is going to be a good thing. And we've we've seen them, and it's sad for me to say this, but last few times I've seen them play Spurs at home, you know, they've torn us apart and it could easily happen again, very sadly. But, and around that, Double. They've got some nice fixtures. Crystal Palace, Burnley, Leicester, Brighton, as I said. So I think they're still a team that you have to very strongly consider when you're wild carding. Yeah, I think it's just getting the nineties, isn't it? Or at least getting the starts and nailing that is key. Next question: uh, Worried about the cup? And uh, Lee touched on this earlier on, and we didn't really speak about them. Watford. So Jeb Kalud asks: Should we be worried about Watford and the cup? Um, so obviously they've got a very very good double game week coming up, and I think a lot of people are. Uh, looking at that and thinking, well, if I'm targeting Huddersfield, which is a viable strategy, that, that's part of the double game. You've got Huddersfield and Southampton in that. And they've got a game against Arsenal in 34, which as an Arsenal fan, I would be saying, buy Watford players, buy Troy Deeney. Lynn Sam, what do you reckon? To Watford, uh, is Troy Deeney uh, and, and his cojones going to make their way into your team? Well, quite possibly, yeah. Do you want to go? Do you want to tackle Watford first? Um, he certainly seems to be sliding his way into mine. Um, I don't quite know how this has happened that I've ended up with Troy Deeney. He's in your wildcard draft oh, right now, is he? Oh, well, crumbs at the moment. And and I don't Ooh. quite know. I, I don't know if I've gone slightly crazy in the last three weeks or whether this is this is the right thing to be doing. I, I, I feel like this is one of those moments where I'm second-guessing myself with it. However, the FA Cup final worries me less because obviously it's at the end of the season. So from that point of view, I don't think we have to worry about rotation. The worry for me would be the risk that, you know, he wants to protect players from injury and that kind of stuff. But Troy Deeney is a bit of a tank and doesn't seem to care. I just go, you know, piling in there. So 
for me, I think Watford, you know, they're still in the hunt for the, for Europa League spots, aren't they? And and so there's something definitely left to play for in the league as well as as well as that cup final. And they'll want to take momentum into that cup final against City. So I think we'll see a strong Watford over the next few weeks. And therefore, I would like a Watford player. And Troy Deeney feels like a decent pick. Yeah, it's a shame that Delafeu got injured in the FA Cup. I don't know how injured he is or otherwise, but he was fantastic in that cup final. Didn't start, came on, changed the game. You know, you could actually say won the game for Watford. So he would be absolutely in my thoughts if he was if if he's fit. I guess Deeney comes in, yeah, but I, I can't have help but have this underlying feeling that that is the biggest game in Watford's, possibly the biggest game in Watford's history, right? An FA Cup final. They are going to go all out to win that. And if that were me, if that were, if I was a Watford player, I'd be in my mind, I would be pulling out of those 50-50s. I would not be going full throttle in the league because I wouldn't want to miss out on the, the biggest game of my career, frankly. Now, Deeney, I appreciate what you're saying. He is a tank. He does like to get stuck in. But he Deeney, doesn't know how to pull out, does he? Yeah, but Deeney is also all about Deeney. He will want to preserve himself for that FA Cup final. So I'm, I don't know if I really fancy Deeney, although their double is Huddersfield and Southampton. Huddersfield away and then Southampton at home, which is doesn't get a lot better than that. And then around that, as Tom was saying, Arsenal at home, Wolves at home, West Ham at home on the last day. So only really a trip to Chelsea in 37 that, you know, you might not want to go for. But then there's others to look at. You know, Decore has been scoring a few goals recently. So one we shouldn't overlook there. And even at the back, players like Holobas, maybe Kiko Feminier, even if you're looking for a real differential. So and of course, Foster. And of course, Foster, who is currently in my draft oh, uh, to, to sort of uh, compliment Matty Ryan in goals. So... Yes, definitely options. But for me, I'm very tentatively approaching them because I just think that the players are going to have one eye on the cup final. I think there is definitely that risk with Watford. I think obviously Foster is the main pit that perhaps everyone's going to be putting in their wild cards. And and you can sit nicely on the bench this week against Arsenal and then come in for the double game week. And you know that is that is brilliant double game week. Huddersfield and Southampton. Um, and he's certainly not going to be on, on the bench, a butt scratcher on the bench, is he? Uh, so I think Foster is um, in my team. Um, the other one I've got at the moment is, is Dayu Lafayette. And yeah, he, he has been, he was really good in the cup he has got a knock which is a bit of concern but I you know I might even even if he's um, ruled out of the Arsenal game I still might just keep him in my team and I think um, it is a bit of a worry with them in the FA Cup because that'll be their focus but the, you know there are there are a few other options as well there's this Will Hughes we haven't mentioned at 4.9 he did really well actually in the last um, league game against Fulham picking up a goal and assist but he's another one the problem with Watford is they, they seem to have a massive squad of players that they can call upon you know they've got their Andre Grays their successes their C and Quinoas and, uh, you know, some other players that I've never heard of. But I think, yeah, Ducure, um, great pick. Pereira as well, we haven't mentioned. Another one that started off the season really brightly. Seems to have tailed off in terms of goals and assists um, in recent weeks. But I think for me, it's still it's still about the Triple Ds. Um, Dini, Ducure and De Lafayette, at least in terms of the attacking assets. I think Foster's a very good pick. I think he would be the guy. Like this week, I had to have Leno because he had a game but if I hadn't wildcarded last week, I'd have put Foster in. That's, that's a very, very good pick. I mean, you've got the FA Cup final being on the 18th of May. Game week 38 is on the 12th of May. Maybe there'll be an argument to say, yeah, you know what, then they're going to focus on the league now. I don't think they will. I think that you're right, Lee. I think they're going to be pulling out of 50-50. And I think the whole 
ethos of the club is going to be around winning that game. They're not too far off of the uh, the best of the rest, so they're only one point behind the Leicester and Wolves for seventh. If they do get that seventh, then they're guaranteed uh, Europa League football no matter what, uh, which could be an interesting kind of dynamic there to throw in. Obviously, it's very hard to find windows and men's souls. And uh, Troy Deeney is a player who I've owned every single season since he joined the Premier League. And uh, I've had some joy out of him every single season. And I think that I will be buying Troy Deeney at some point, which is probably going to be game week 35 for that double. Um, if Delefeu is fit, I think that's a really, really good buy for the price. Uh, Ducore, of course, offers you that certainty of starts too. Next question, Hudspurd, FPLDC, asks us how important it is to get Spurs cover in for the next game. With that Huddersfield game, for example, is Mane to Ericsson, something like that, worth doing? Sam and Nick, as uh, Spurs fans, you guys can handle this one. What do you think the lineup's going to be for that game? Like, do you think there's going to be rest, like three days rest after the uh, the Champions League match? Like, what sort of team do you reckon Poch is going to put out for that? It depends. We know that Poch really needs to get into the Champions League next season. It is critical. It is really, really critical. And he's not going to take any Premier League match lightly, even if it is against a relegated team like Huddersfield. But still, there is a chance that we will see um, the likes of um, Lamella play, perhaps, or um, Lucas Moura. You know, he he may even, you know, give um, some of the other players like Foyfo and um, Ben Davis, who we've barely seen at all this season, have run out. Um, but, you know, I think you do want to cover them. I'm pretty sure that Kane will play. I'm pretty sure that Ericsson and Ali will play as well. And hopefully Son, because he's in my team as well. We'll have to see how they look after the Manchester City game. If there's a really big chance that they can get into the semi-final to Champions League, then it might be that Pock says, right, that's it. You know, Huddersfield at home, I can afford to give some of the fringe players a game and give some of the key players a rest for the Champions League. Alternatively, Spurs lose 3-0 in the first leg and then you've got to focus on the league. What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> Honestly. Um, what are your thoughts there? Go on. No, for me, I think Potter's made it very, very clear that we are absolutely in a battle and it's a serious battle to stay in the top four this season. You know, the improvement in Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea, um, the competition is huge for third and fourth and, and we cannot afford to drop any more points, particularly against teams like Huddersfield when we've still got to play teams like Manchester City. So we need to go all out in that game. In my opinion, I think we start a full strength side. I, I think potentially you get 60 minutes out of the likes of Ericsson. If we are winning the game, he comes off, he gets a rest for the last 30 minutes and and, and that's it. Um, but Kane is, is nailed. Um I think Sun, unfortunately, is the one that I, I think if anyone's going to get a risk, it'll be Sun for Mora. Um, just purely on the fact that he's you know been halfway around the world and back three times already this year um, on various international duties. So if anybody's going to need it, it will be him. But I also think he, he is essential. So we probably will still see him even if he doesn't start in these games. My con- I think my concern is that actually, you know, that, that is Tuesday, isn't it? Manchester City versus Spurs. And, yeah, yeah. And that is going to be such a... I mean, it's going to be a difficult physical game with Man City for sure. It's going to be such an emotional game as well. And I think I, I haven't got the stats to back this up, but I know that actually on, uh, I think the Spurs game is Saturday lunchtime, right? Yeah, and historically, awesome. that is a tough time for any team. And I know Spurs have got a bit of a bad record at playing Saturday lunchtime in the week in which they've played. 
in Europe. So I actually don't think that Spurs-Huddersfield game is as cut and dry as you think. I know that Kane is going to be a very popular um, captain pick. I absolutely back Spurs to win that game. I don't see it being a cricket score. I can see that Huddersfield might dig in a little bit, but I just fancy they might go and cause a bit of an upset at the new stadium. Who knows? Honestly, <laughs> it's a good job this is an all, It's a good job this is a podcast and not a uh, and not a video cast because if looks could kill, I'd be dead. <laughs> I'm behind that. I, I think that Lucas Moura. I'm never going to buy Lucas Moura. Let's be fair. That's never going to happen. But I think that he and Lamella are going to have a really really big role to play in the easier games, Huddersfield and Brighton. Uh, Huddersfield, eh, maybe maybe a sandwich between, but the three day gap's enough. But the Brighton game comes at the conclusion of. Three games against Man City, three games chasing the ball around. I think you're going to find a lot of players are pretty knackered in that game. Just two days after the Man City uh, away game in game week 35, I think mm. that game is going to be a game where maybe we're looking at single game week players from Spurs and thinking, oh, actually, that's that's a decent option, you know. In terms of the Huddersfield game, I think it's been quite difficult to to look past the Kane captain, and I can completely see why people are, why people are doing that um, and why people are bring him in, I'm bringing him in. He was part of my wildcard plan. I can't see any way around that. Um, Nick, what do you reckon here? So I've actually been uh, having a little play with my team whilst <laughs> whilst you guys have been talking. I've made a few changes. Uh, Are you concentrating, Nick? <laughs> based on our conversations had. No, but I, I took in um, Sam's points, um, to be honest, and I'm a bit worried about Son. And I've, uh, I've brought in Ericsson and uh, I've got rid of, I got rid of Redmond and... Uh, I put in Callum Hudson Odoi for the single game week, just off the bench. The other thing, just to add to this, is Lamella is is still flagged with his hamstring injury, so don't think that he's that nailed on to play in that um, Huddersfield mm. game. Maybe a bit later on in the season, between you know the games in the aftermath of the Champions League, if by some minor miracle we still happen to be in it, then Lamella might be someone to look out for. But I certainly, I certainly think Lucas Moura and Son they're the two that I'd be worried about. Ericsson, who pulled up the stat this week, that he's not not started the game since game week 19. I think he feels like the one who's the least replaceable, as it yes. were, because you've got Son can be replaced by Mora, who can do that forward thrust role, effectively, next next door to Kane. Um, Ali can be replaced at this point by uh, Eric Dyer or something like that, or even you know the forgotten man Wanyama. But Ericsson feels like a, a bit of an integral part of our Spurs team. It's just whether the Viking is going to need some rest in between raiding and marauding against Man City, I'm guessing you guys hope. Uh, the final question this week is uh, from our friend uh, Jeff, who you guys know well, one of your in-laws. He's just outside of the top 100k and he wants to know for the rest of the season, who are the most outlandish punts, the monkey in the closet, that we can suggest for the end of the season to, uh, to hopefully power you up the rankings? And uh, one name will be enough for each. Who do least prepared nick you don't look prepared at all yeah. <laughs> still playing with his team <laughs> no no i'm now i'm viewing players and i just i'm just gonna say jan valerie um you know i think he he said probably perhaps um like he's very cheap so he's perhaps going to be one of those players that's in a lot of people's drafts but he just seems like a, a really young exciting player and he, he could really surprise us especially with the southampton fixtures you know they've they've got some great fixtures, as I said, haven't they? Uh, Newcastle and Watford. Away, they've got, yeah. yeah, I think they've got some really nice fixtures. And then the final game week thirty eight, Huddersfield at home. You know, Valerie scored against United and Spurs. He could easily just bring some massive hauls in the uh, in the double game week. 
this is really out there because he's he's absolutely not guaranteed starts. But whenever he does start, I can't believe that Unai Emery doesn't play him every single week and that Arsenal are letting him go uh, or that he wants to go to Juventus. Mr. Aaron Ramsey, from the times that I've seen him and watched him in recent games, has looked really, really good. Looked like the fulcrum, the engine room, the creativity that Arsenal really, really need in lieu of any creativity from the likes of Urzu or anybody else. Oh, Jeffrey, I don't, I'm really struggling with this. I think for me, I guess it comes down to a straight choice, doesn't it, between picking somebody from a double game week and playing it a little bit safe because you've got an extra fixture there to make sure that they do something for you. I'll stick with Spurs and, and pick on a, a Spurs defender who, I know Nick loves him, but doesn't often get mentioned in terms of FPL and go for the Tonga. Decent opportunities for clean sheets, but he's also seems to have a bit of a, a free reign to do what he likes when it comes to getting up the pitch as well at the moment so Vertonghen is certainly one I'm looking at yeah, I remember that, that game. I can't remember who it was against, but there was a game when he hit the post. He was setting up Kane left, right, and centre. Uh, I remember uh, that's because I owned him, obviously. So that's why it sticks right. <laughs> uh, the one that I would go for isn't really outlandish at all, uh, but it maybe is outlandish in the context of people selling it ahead of the double game week. And it's Jamie Vardy. Leicester have got coming up Newcastle at home, West Ham away, and then they've got three tough fixtures towards the end of the season Arsenal, Manchester, and Chelsea. But his, his recent stats have been very good. Uh, top for shots in the box. Uh, top for expected goal involvement. And I feel like a lot of people will be getting rid of him. We know his record against top six teams is pretty good because of the amount of space that he gets given. And under Brendan Rodgers, Leicester are looking a lot better. Against West Ham in 35, I think he, could, again, could easily outscore double game weekers. The final thing to talk about is transfers and captains. You guys are all on wild cards, so no transfers, real transfers, but lots of tinkering, no doubt. What's your captain going to be this week? I'm guessing it's Kane across the board. Let's just make sure. Always Captain Kane. Always Captain Kane, yeah. I think it's going to be Kane for me as well. I, as Nick has been, I am being slowly swayed towards Ericsson um, over the course <laughs> of this podcast. So Ericsson may get a look in for me. The real maverick pick, though, is Duffy. If you've got the cojones to captain uh, a Brighton defender, in what's less be honest, you know, you ain't going to get a better double game week than Bournemouth and Cardiff at home. It should be two clean sheets. A bit of attacking threat. There's so many different avenues for points from Shane Duffy. If you really want to go out there, uh, Shane Duffy, I think, is a really great captain pick this week. But for me, I will probably bottle it and I will probably go for Harry Kane. I think it's Kane for me as well. I think, yeah, Duffy is an interesting option. But I think having already doubled up on the Brighton defence, I'm not sure if I want to go the whole hog and give Duffy the captaincy as well. It's one of those things where because I'm chasing, same as you, Lee, captaining Duffy makes sense to a certain degree in the same way that captaining Vardy this week made a lot of sense. I'm very glad that Hazard matched Vardy after captaining Hazard. But Harry Kane against Huddersfield looks like the nail captain for so many people. If Kane goes absolutely mental and and it's not outside their own possibility that Duffy can seize in both of those games... If you end up with an eight-point caption against a hurricane hat-trick, you're absolutely screwed, aren't you, for the rest of the season, effectively. So I think that the risk this week of going against Harry Kane is quite strong. I say that, and he's obviously going to blank, and Ericsson is going to mop up, isn't he? Right, that's the end this week. So um, just to say, of course, who we are, we are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and our league code if you want to join. It's 516-441. We're joined today by Lee and Sam from FPL Family. Pleasure to have you guys on the pod. Thanks for having us, guys. Really appreciate it. 
Thanks. And Lee and Sam can be found at FPL Family on Twitter. And if you want to speak to Lee for any reason, you can find him there. <laughs> um, but if not, uh, their, their YouTube channel is fantastic. We'll be back next Wednesday after double game week 34, after the Bryson game. Uh, but for now, we hope to assist you and we'll speak to you soon. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.